Every life has a story, and every story is worth sharing. Your story, my story, and our story speak of victory and defeat, joy and sorrow, resilience and vulnerability. They are not just our story. They are Christ's story in us. They are Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Hi, welcome to another episode of Kingdom Stories from Down Under. My name is Nathaniel Costilla, and today I have the privilege of having as a guest speaker Russell Sage. Russell Sage is a warrior of our city of Perth here in Western Australia, a man who has traveled the world to over 40 nations sharing the gospel, a man who's on fire even in his late uh, age, and he is just uh, rallying on the troops to go out there and win souls for Christ. He's had an amazing life, an amazing testimony throughout it all, and it's just a privilege to, to rub shoulders with him because his passion is really uh, rubs off him and you get ignited every time you are in his presence. So today we're going to go deep with Russell Sage. Russell, welcome to Kingdom Stories from Down Under. Thank you, Nathaniel. So Russell, when you go into a room, <clears throat> there's new people you haven't met, they haven't met you before, and they ask you, so Russell, what do you do? What do you tell them? <laughs> well, I say things like, uh, well, I was in television for a long time. Um, I, I became a television director. I've studied both television in London as well as in Australia. Uh, but now, primarily, um, I'm a, and if I know they're Catholic, I'll say, I'm a priest. And they go, oh. I said, but not in the, not in the Catholic context. I mean, the Anglican context. And then I explain, yeah. uh, you know. So, so you never say you're a retiree by any means. I'm a what? Retiree. No, I never do that. Because you have. There's no such thing as retirement. Not in the kingdom, of course. Not at all. No. So where has it all began for you? Where were you born? I was born in in uh, Colombo in Sri Lanka, when it was Ceylon, and, and after the war, my father could see that. Um, the writing was on the wall as far as Sri Lanka was so concerned. So what was your dad doing there? He was, he's a Welsh or English? No, he's English. English. Um, so my father was English, but my, my mother was Dutch and part Eurasian. So I have part Eurasian in me, okay. although there's English, uh, uh, English and Dutch. Uh, so how come, why did your <coughs> father go to Colombo? Was he working there? Was yes, he was. No, he was born there, so was my mother. Okay. Because <coughs> my, my father's father migrated. Okay. from England, they were from Sussex, okay. and migrated there yeah. a while back. <laughs> a number of years back. Let me just take a drink of water here, That's but that was how it happened. Okay, so you were born in Sri Lanka, you grew up in Colombo, <coughs> at what age did you No, 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 I, I, about a, at six years of age, uh, my father migrated to uh, Australia. Do you remember uh, your time in uh, Sri Lanka? Do you yes, I childhood? Do. yes, I do. Um, were you on? Were you with locals? Were you with, uh, or were you in a more English sort of neighbourhood? I was in more English neighbourhood. Okay. Yeah. yeah what was, was life like in uh, Colombo? Oh, look, you know, tropics. It's uh, it was hot, but it was very, very social. And, well, uh, the sports were you playing cricket, I suppose. Uh, well, no, no. I was still too young. I was only six, five or six. Okay. You know, so. Uh, Any siblings, older or younger? Yeah, I, I, I. Um, I had uh, four sisters. Older? Or? Uh, yes, they were older. And then, yeah. uh, then since we migrated to Australia, 
my mother had two more. So two more sisters or brothers? No, two more two more girls and so there was So you're uh, the only son out of I'm the only son out of the whole tribe. Six or seven? Uh, it was it was five actually. Five girls and one boy. Five okay, so, so six. Um, All right, wonderful. Yeah, it was so great. you came to Perth, yeah? Yeah. You might on a steamship. <laughs> no, on a cargo boat. On a cargo boat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that was the only, the only yeah. transport. It was steam driven. Yeah, it was something like that. It was the only transport. Do you remember driven. anything of the trip? Oh, yeah, I can, I can remember. Yeah. Must have taken a couple of weeks. Or a bit yeah, more. it did. It took, it took a few weeks. And where did you stop? Do you remember? Um, I think we stopped, um, I think, somewhere in the islands somewhere. And then we went on. Oh, so he was coming to Australia? Yeah, yeah. From? We, from, from Sri Lanka. Okay. So there was a purpose okay. in my father migrating because yes. he wanted to give his family a greater uh, sense of um, purpose as far as uh, them growing up and so getting what married. Year was this in? Uh, we migrated in 48. So after the war? Just after the war. Yeah. So Australian troops would still be in various places. Yes, the absolutely. Yeah. But my father was working for a a British firm called yep. Coal Storage okay. that were providing food uh, for the British forces Navy. in the Southeast Asia region. Okay. You know. okay. So, um, so was there any danger of you being on the ship at the time, or you obviously uh, weren't aware? But not, like not, at, not at that stage. It was it was all over by then. Okay. You know, but um, um, I, I I can't recall it. Yeah. They ever said so you moved to Perth and yeah. uh, a new life began here. Yeah. Obviously, that's the period you remember more now. Of course. So how did you settle here? It was, it was I guess, um, being young, I didn't quite understand how tough it was for my parents, but uh, we settled in quite well and uh, funny enough because... Your mum spoke English as well, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. My father, the only job that he could get was working for a company called Bell Brothers that was a big big uh, development and construction company, uh, earth moving company mm -hmm. in Guildford. And machinery? Uh, uh, machinery or no, well, he, the only job he could get was a mechanic. Okay. And, and a week after he was in the Grease Bay, yes. the managing director of Bell Brothers walked through and said, who are you? And he said, my name is Fred Sage. He said, where did you come from? And so he said, I, I came from Sri Lanka. He said, what did you do there? He said, well, I was an accountant. And, and the CEO went off his brain, you know, because he, he yeah, desperately needed. needed an accountant. So he sent him home straight away. And the next day, he came with a suit on and a tie. And uh, he was an accountant for many, many years for Bell Brothers. Wonderful. Yeah. So this was in Guildford? So you, did you establish yourselves in Guildford? I established, we established ourselves in Guildford. Did you go to Guildford Grammar School? I went to Guildford Grammar School. Okay. And then I met a lot of guys uh, that I'm still in touch with, one of which I'm in, in um, having coffee with, we have coffee every week. He's the guy that introduced FPOS to Australia. Wow. And he That's had offices in different parts of the world and uh, he was uh, flying all sorts of different places and doing all sorts of things. But he and I used to swim together. He was, I was the swimming captain and he was my vice captain, so. Okay, um, great. And uh, were your family religious? Were they faith? Yeah, we were all um, Anglicans. Okay. And, uh, happy Anglicans. Happy Anglicans. Yes. We Followers were. or practical? Like, no, no, no. We were we were practicing. I mean, yeah. um, I got christened and then I got uh, baptized and I got uh, confirmed and you okay. know, and I became an altar boy. And, yeah. 
But I didn't know Jesus. Okay. So your parents were going to Sunday services all the time? Yes. Yes, they were. Yeah, they were. Was the family unit quite strong, your parents? Yes, they were strong. Praying? Yes, they were. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. So you did get a good foundation? Yes, I did. Solid family, solid faith? Very, very much. Okay. So how how was your faith journey? Where did it begin? Well, um, as I said to you before, I didn't know Jesus, but... um, you knew the Anglican Church. I, well, I thought we were all Anglicans. I thought we were okay, but I didn't have Jesus in my heart. I only knew him as, well, he was somewhere along the line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe not as a prophet, but uh, as God Almighty, but I didn't quite compute how all that worked because yeah. I was never taught it, even though I was confirmed and, yeah. and gone through all sorts of teaching at the Bible school, at the, at the Anglican Church. Yeah. Look, <clears throat> they didn't have the understanding. No. And then uh, in the 70s, uh, see, um, well, in, the, in 1968, I went and worked in London. Well, actually, in the early 60s, I first started to work for Channel 7, only 12 months after it started. So you, started, you studied film and television? No, 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 I didn't. Okay. But they taught me on the job. Okay. Um, so you got a job in uh, video production, at, camera? At, no, I was a cameraman at Channel okay. 7. Okay. So they taught me on the job. Wonderful. And um, then for the seven years I was there and I decided um, I wanted to go and study colour television in London. Okay. So I took a ship to London and... Uh, there were no planes but, uh, at that stage? Well, extremely expensive. yeah, it was a pretty expensive exercise. Um, so how long was the trip there? That was about... I think about three to four, three and a half weeks, okay. you know, and so... So was it an all-inclusive package? Did you get food and everything in that package? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and I was right down the bowels of the ship, okay. uh, which is a bit heavy, but anyway... Less movement. Uh, less movement. And so then um, I got to London, and would you believe, in those days, in, this, in the late 60s, you couldn't get a job until you had a union ticket, and you couldn't get a union ticket until you got a job. But I had a letter from the managing, from the sales manager of Channel 7 here. Yeah. His name was Brian Treasure. He was a great guy. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, he's gone now, but um, he had such a connection to different people around the world. Wow. Um, he no gave internet. me a letter of introduction. No internet back then, so that was all... Uh, all letters, all letters, letters. And so, I walked into to London weekend into Rediffusion Television yeah. in the Strand, which was a very big organisation, television organisation. Yeah, yeah. uh, and I, the lady said to me behind the counter, "Who are you?" I said, "Oh, my name is Russell Sage. I'm uh, I'm a television cameraman from TVW Channel Seven, and I have a letter here for um, Mr. Williams. I think it was his name." Or Macmillan, that was his name. He was the CEO yeah. of Rediffusion. And I said, I have a letter from, from Mr. Brian Treasure too. And she said, take a seat, sir. Give me the letter. And in five minutes, she came back and said, would you follow me, please? Took me to the CEO's office, wow. shook me by the hand. In five minutes, I had a job. Praise God. Just like that. And what were you doing? Were, were I, you I was a cameraman. Okay. Uh, no, actually, I worked... At re- in uh, in the Strand at yes. Rediffusion yep. and copywriting. Okay. And yep. that was something I had to learn too. <laughs> Journalism. I know. Well, and how long were you in England for? Um, about fourteen months. Okay. And unfortunately, my then what happened was uh, Lord Hill 
um, in in a government construct uh, structure there took the license away from Rediffusion and gave it to uh, London Weekend Television out in Wembley. So I became a television cameraman at Wembley okay. uh, for London Weekend Television and I was filming David Frost on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I worked with the carry-on crowd one day, one whole day. Uh, the Rolling Stones came in. And, Whoa. Um, so there was, I had a lot of experience. I did outside broadcasts and I remember doing horse racing. Um, uh, I, it was probably about 60 or 70 feet, this tower I was on, yeah. in blistering cold. That's and and bliss, you know, it was a blizzard out there. And uh, I was using cameras I didn't use back in Bert because it was more advanced, of course. And uh, so that's how it all happened. And my father passed away, unfortunately, oh. uh, 14 months after I'd been there. So uh, I flew home straight off. Yeah. And uh, then got a job as a director for Channel Nine. Okay. Uh, and so the London experience. Of course. The and then, of course, I walked into the art room, and who should be sitting there but uh, my wife, my wife to be. So. What was she doing there? She was. A, she's an artist. Now she was a fine artist. A and she was in the studio. She was working. No, she was walking in, working in the art department. Okay. And um, and there was only two girls in the art department. At Channel Nine, those days, and she was one of them. So that's so you met her. That's how we connected. Yes. And how long before you were married? Um, probably within six, seven months. Wonderful. And it was lovely. Yeah. You know, look, you can't look back. You know. Yeah. I mean, I look at my grandchildren now, and that's beautiful. And I think, boy, that was God all the way along the line was was directing, and. Um, focusing our lives yeah. in such a magnificent way. And then my neighbor got saved in the Baptist church yeah. and he used to come across the road and evangelize. Okay. You know, he used to tell me, you really don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I didn't understand. So this is when you were already married and... I was already married, I had... Um, Did you get married in an Anglican church or...? Yeah. Was she Anglican as well? Uh, well, she wasn't. No, she wasn't, but... They she, accepted her. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, she came to the Lord about two years after after, each after I came to the Lord. Okay, so so you married, you were in an uh, Anglican church, but yep. you haven't really experienced salvation at this stage. Mm -mm -mm. Okay, mm -mm. none of you? No. So how did it happen? Who was first? Well, I'm, at that stage, I was running a television, I was running my own advertising company. Okay. Because I left television and I started an advertising company. In television or marketing? Uh, or well, in marketing. So I was doing press, radio and television. Okay. Um, and I've done quite a lot of that yes. over the years uh, as a creative director and uh, cheap bottle washer and uh, everything else. So, uh, and that's how it kind of happened. But then this guy got saved across the road okay. and he looked across the road and said, there's a heathen over there and I was the heathen, so he came across and evangelized my heart. And I used to wait for him till he, he used to come home very late at night from his work. Yes. And around about 11 o'clock or so. And of course, I would just put the milk bottles out at the time that he was there. He would say, Russ, come on over and have a cup of tea. So I'd go over there for another hour or so, and I'd drop all these questions because I was searching. Okay, so what stirred up that search? 
Uh, I think. Um, I think uh, some things have happened in my life um, and in my heart, and he could see that I was hungry yeah. for something more. Mm-hmm. You know, I had Mormons knock on my door, and of course, and JWS. they told me this weird, incredible stories. And I said goodbye, boys, and I closed the door, and I had all sorts of other people knock on my door, and yeah, and there was a search, and there was a there was a yearning. And God could see. So, that. what made you think that this guy is, uh, is real, or what he was telling you? Well, was, uh, it wasn't. So, yes, it was. He introduced me to Christ. Yes. By introducing me to the church, and the pastor was a was a middle-aged Englishman okay. who who has gone to the Lord many years ago. But one night he preached and made an altar call for salvation, and I sat there. This must have been six months after I was going. Yes. And. Uh, I wept like a baby first time in my life. I could see, and suddenly I realized I was a sinner. Yes. And I'd never seen my sin before. Yep. I didn't know I, I, um, somebody could take my sin yep. or had to handle my sin because I couldn't. Yep. Uh, no man can, it's impossible. Of um, so that's how, that night I got saved. And so I you walked, answered the altar call, you actually went to... I, I, was, went, I ran down the altar. Okay. And, and my lovely story is, um, I think I must have pushed a few people out of the way to get there because uh, <laughs> I was weeping. And, uh, and in those days, you don't weep in a Baptist church, but I don't know, you probably do that now. But um, what do you do? Yeah. Uh, I know, I preach in Baptist churches. And matter of fact, I preach in all sorts of churches. Um, and your wife was with you? No, no, no. She, she took a couple more years to come to Christ. But was she with you that night? No, she wasn't. And so when you, I walked, okay. came home that night, Okay. I walked in the door and I said, hi, sweetheart, and gave her a kiss. And she went, hey, what happened to you? She noticed something. And she noticed I couldn't see anything. Yeah. They're a very sensitive lady, my wife. Of course. And uh, so. So what was it that night? What happened? Do you know? Um, can you explain it? Yes, I can. Um, there was something that I did because I, I was... I was pretty arrogant and, um, in, in terms of who I thought I was. Yeah. Like a lot of young people are like that, um, bulletproof. And, Absolutely. Uh, and, Just like me. And so, yeah, okay. Um, and so that night... Um, so how old were you, about mid-twenties right now? Oh, I was probably early thirties. Early thirties. Early thirties, okay. yeah. Okay. And then that's... I got saved. I could see that for the first time in my life, I was nothing but a sinner. Okay. Um, and I was racing my car down the road. Yes. I had a brand new car and a guy sort of on the other side of the, on one side of the road was trying to egg me on to, to racing. So I did. We went through a couple of red lights and Ellie was very frightened. Anyway, we stopped near my house and she wanted to get some, some milk and stuff and so... Uh, my little boy was sitting in, in his um, car seat, yeah. uh, all strapped up, and uh, I was shaking, Ellie was shaking, um, and I knew I was, I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I turned around and I looked at my little boy sitting in the back, and he looked at me, and the words came to me, Daddy, why are you trying to kill me? Ouch. <laughs> um, that really bit hard. That night I got saved. 
Was that after, so after that you went to church or before that you went to church? Uh, no, I was, I was going to church, but I... Running a couple had, of red lights. No, running red lights. <laughs> it was a really strong call of God on your life, wasn't it? Um, and then, of course, that, that English pastor could see, well, I've got to help this guy and take him through. So then a couple of weeks later, I got baptized in water. Okay, so that was pretty quick. And then a lady in that church gave me a booklet. Okay. And in there, and she wrote to Russell on the occasion of your water baptism. And then she went dot, dot, dot. It said dot, dot, dot. Now for the baptism of fire. And I said to her, why? What's that? And she said, oh, you don't know what that is, Russell? I so hang on, this is about this church you got saved in? Mm-hmm. And this lady had the courage to, to, write to introduce you to the to Holy To dear Spirit. Russell on the occasion of your water baptism, here's your gift, your present. Now for the baptism of fire. Uh-huh. I said, what's that? She said, go find it. That's all she said. And I, and, and I said, well, tell me about it. No, 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 you go find it. Okay. Well, it must have been about three months later. Yep. And I heard that there was a... Pentecostal Church in um, Vic, Victoria, in Vic Park. Yep. So I excited three more Baptists to come with me. And uh, I took them. Yep. And we were excited. They were clapping and raising their hands. We kind of not experienced that before. Sure. And it's so Ellie's still not saved at this No, she's not saved. Okay. So um, then what happened that I'm sitting in the, the third row from the back, okay. in the aisle seat, yep. and, uh, and this is my first introduction to the super miraculous. Yeah. And I'm a Baptist, remember, I didn't know very much about Pentecost or the move of the Spirit, yeah. or the flow of the Spirit. Yeah. And I'm sitting in the aisle seat, and halfway through his preaching, I was very excited listening to this, and I don't know why. Was he on fire? No, no, no. Well, well it, I can't even recall what he said. Yeah. Uh, he's not that kind of fiery preacher, never sure. was. And for some reason, I don't know why, I looked down at the aisle. And as I looked at the aisle, Jesus walked by. And I saw him from his waist down. Yes. I saw his robes, I saw his feet, I saw his sandals. And I started to weep and I started to shake uncontrollably. And this is you sitting down in the... I'm in the sitting music. down and then I started... I, I, I couldn't stop. I was, I was so emotional and I was shaking and, and these people thought I was having a, a little fit. Yes. And I said, no, no, no. I just saw, I just saw. I said, I think it was Jesus. And, and they said, oh, shut up, Russell. They were, try, they were trying to close me down. So I, I didn't say anything. And they said to me, what happened to you? And I said, well, um, I tried to explain it away. Yes. Um, but I, I can... I, I can tell you what I saw immediately, yeah. right now, you know, all these years later. And uh, that was my first introduction to the supernatural. Okay. Um, and it was like a first fruit, as it were. And then, I, and then after I was ordained as a pastor... Hang on, so you were ordained as a pastor in the Baptist church after that? No, 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 no. So you came into that church after that? Well, um, what happened was this. Um, no. That was my introduction to Pentecost. Okay. Um, then, now I'm still um, 
I'm still in a Baptist church. Yeah. But but now I've had I've seen something that I've never never thought I could ever see. Okay. Uh, never read anything about it, and then um, I heard that there was an evangelist in the city um, who knew about the drug scene. Now, up until that stage, I had yeah. done I produced documentary films and. I had worked with film team, uh, uh, two uh, groups yes. before, uh, and production houses, so both in London and in here. Yeah. And so I rang him up and I said, "Would you like to come and have a chat to me?" Yeah. And so he did. Mm -hmm. And in my advertising company, it was twice as big as this room, and there was a door there, and I'm sitting here. My secretary was sitting there. Um, and he was due at about 10 o'clock, and sure enough, 10 o'clock, there was a knock on the door. Yeah. I said, come in, and he opened the door, and uh, he just said, hi, I'm Stephen. Yeah. And he stood at the door, and he wouldn't move, and he just had this big grin on his face, and God was speaking to him. Yeah. As he told me, you know, afterwards, you know, a long time after, he said, the Lord said to me, when I stood there, see this man, he's an evangelist. And I want you to get him. Yeah. I want you to train him. I want yeah. you to teach him. Mm -hmm. I want you to nurture him. I want you to father him. And I want you to show him what I've got for him. Okay. Um, well, um, then he came and we were supposed to talk about the drug scene and doing a video, a, a, a film. Yeah. And, and all he wanted to do was to talk about how he could introduce me to the the whole, the whole essence of, of, of Christ and Pentecost. Um, so Jesus, when were you filled with the Holy Spirit? Um, I was filled with the Holy Ghost at a Trevor Chandler crusade. Okay. Um, I went to Fred Anderson's church out in Forestfield. Okay. Somebody introduced me to Fred Anderson. And then when he knew that I was a television cameraman, yes. he the Forestville Church had just bought a couple of cameras yeah. and he wanted me to drive this camera okay. in the crusade that he organized with this great evangelist from Brisbane called Trevor Chandler. Okay. So, and we were at the location was Jeff Woodward's church at Metro. Okay. You know, in the city. And Beaufort Street. Northbridge. Northbridge. Yeah. So, um, so I'm driving the camera and he's sprouting away, oh, I was so excited about all this. And right at the end, he said, Russell, come here. So I took my cans off my head, yep. put it on the camera, and I took one step, ended up on the floor speaking in other tongues. Okay. And I was there for about an hour. I, um, I, I've never had anything like it <laughs> until years later when Rhino Bonky laid hands on me. Um, and I, I think for about, an hour and a half, too, uh, all, all I could feel was such a power going through me. All, all I, could, I was screaming, turn it off, turn it off. I can't handle it. It's too much. Turn it off too much. I mean, it just went on and on and on. It was like God saying, what? What did you say? I'm driving stuff out of you. I'm cleaning you up. That's how I got cleaned up. Because literally, the power of God just cleaned me up. And that was the great introduction to So uh, who handled the camera? I quite well. I, 
I don't know, and frankly, I didn't care. <laughs> okay, that's good. So what, where, where's Andy in all this? Okay, so only a little while later, um, the evangelists in that church... Um, so she hadn't been baptised, she hadn't... No, 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 nothing. Okay. I, that, we were good friends. Okay. So I brought them home a couple of times. Yeah. They had young kids and I had young kids. So I invited them to come over and spend a weekend with us. Yeah. So I pre he got me to preach on a Friday night to a big youth group, yeah. which I did. Um, and that was in the Apostolic Church yeah. in, in Glendale Street. And so 11.30... 12, 12 o'clock at night, we were all having a cup of tea and having a good chat. Now, kids are all sleeping and uh, we're all a bit on the tired side, but excited. And, yeah. and he said to Ellie, do you know, Ellie, I think secretly you've made a, uh, a commitment in your heart. I think we should have some prayer sometime. What do you think? And she said, yeah. And then he said to her, now it's about, about 12 o'clock at night, he said, how about now? She said, okay. okay. And he led it across right then and there. Um, in our kitchen. Beautiful. So, a man with uh, batteries. I, I was a bit of a mess again for a, for a while, uh, but that didn't matter. Happy and, mess or? Oh, it was a happy mess. Yeah. So then on the Sunday, that's a couple of days later, okay. we're going to church yeah. and she gets all these songs. Okay. She gets supernatural songs. Yeah. Never sung the song before. Yeah. And the first song she ever got was, she's humming. Russell, she said, what's this? It is no secret what God can do. And she hums this tune. What's that? I said, I don't know, I'll check it out. So we went to church that morning and somebody sang it. And... Then she got another song. And every song she got supernaturally was... Now, she doesn't have, uh, you know, a, a great voice. Yeah. Um, but she just hums these tunes. Yeah. Whenever we were in having a strife... Yeah. I was still having my, running my advertising company. Yeah. And I'm going to church. Yeah. So it's quite a mixed bag. She'd get a sound. She'd get a song. Yeah. And it was always pertinent to what we were going through. Um, God moves in mysterious ways. Yeah. His wonders to perform. Yeah. Because he's a, the book of Job says he's a marvelous God. He does marvelous things without that, without number. And I think we limit, I think we put handcuffs on God in our so thinking. When were you activated to actually engage in ministry and evangelism? Well, they could see the call of God on my life. Okay. They knew that there was an evangelist there, but they had to bring me into a pastoral role yep. to teach me first to care and love, to care and love, and yeah. and, and and so on. Yeah, and that lasted for about three years. Okay, and um, then a, then a, a a prophet came from Long Beach, California, called David Shock, who ended up being a very close friend. Yeah, and. He prophesied um, a, an evangelist call, strong yep. evangelist call, and they all agreed. Yep. And then he did something very strange, which um, they weren't quite sure about. He took off his coat and he said, I've never done this before. 
He said, there's, there'll come a prophetic mantle on you later on in life. Yeah. And uh, the word will be strong in your mouth. And you become, you'll have the tongue of a ready writer. Yeah. I didn't understand any of those yeah. things. He took his coat off and put it on my shoulders. Yeah. And uh, that's how that happened. Okay. Probably then, uh, then they uh, got me to go and pastor a church out in Midland. Okay. And I had about 40 people out there. And uh, uh, I can tell you, I learned much by the things that I suffered. Yes. Uh, <laughs> like us all. Uh, and God has a wonderful way of teaching you through the so trials and tribulations and there? struggles. How long were you there? I, I was there. Uh, I was running that, that little church. And I, we were doing a lot of evangelism and yeah. a lot of healing ministries. And, uh, but I had, a ba- I had a back condition for four years. And the first healing service I ever had, I ever did, um, um, a big lady was standing there. So I went up to her and I said, what can I pray for? And she said, oh, uh, I've got such and such a condition. So I, uh, I anointed, her, anointed her in oil and I put my hand on her head and she fell on top of me. And I'm, I'm trying to hold her up with this back condition I've got. Yeah. You know, they were putting needles into my back and saying, oh, it's a wheelchair. Of course, I said, no, 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 nothing like that. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, then <laughs> uh, a little lady came into the church who was an Anglican rector's wife yep. and she said that you have a problem with your back sit down on that chair and she raised my legs and prayed for me and uh, I got zapped in my back never had a problem since healed healed the glory of God and so all what's the way along the What's your biggest lesson from pastoring a church during that season? Uh, well, that's a hard question because I think, I think one of the hardest jobs to do is pastoring a church. Um, you know, as an evangelist and with yeah. a strong prophetic call, I think, oh, where are you going to now, Pastor? Oh, you're off to, uh, you know, Pakistan and Sri Lanka and, and Europe and America and all those places. How wonderful it's like. A holiday. Yeah. I used to come back and you know I'd be slogging away there in the heat, yeah. uh, um, thousands and thousands of people, yeah. and and seeing thousands saved and healed and delivered miracles. in India and, and miracles all over the place in right Southeast Asia and China yeah. and so on. And they'd say to me, "How was your holiday, Pastor?" Yeah, no, no idea. Have no idea whatsoever. No oh, let's talk about the football. Yeah. And I'd say, "Hang on, man. Do you know where I've just come from?" Oh yeah, okay. Well, but you know, the weather's been good, and it's it's just like that, you know. Yeah. Um, and Do you have an expectation that they would understand you, or not really? After a while, I I, I thought yes, they would understand, but in actual fact, that was a bit on the difficult side because yeah. when you don't have that experience yourself, yeah, it's sometimes hard to. Uh, to contemplate and understand what somebody else has sure. gone through. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, then, I mean, of course, then when I first saw the first blind eye wa- uh, open and the first Where was that? polio victim walk, um, oh, India, and Pakistan, Sri Lanka. So in India, you've seen somebody blind? Oh, I've seen many blind in India. Receiving healing? Absolutely. Total blindness? Total, total blindness. Healing healed instantly. And in Nepal, and in Pakistan, and in Sri Lanka. 
uh, instantly just phenomenal. Um, uh, what, how did you unlock, how did, how did the Lord work in your life to unlock this prophetic and uh, miraculous gifts? How did you well, accept well, these gifts? When I first saw a man operate in those gifts, yes, um, and very few and far between, but when I was in this church, in the apostolic church, yeah. and I saw men come with his gift, because it's one thing to be filled with the Holy Ghost to speak in tongues, but it's another dimension to actually step in the supernatural to see miracles yeah. on, on a natural basis. Yeah. Well, I said to the Lord, I said, and I said to the Holy Spirit, I said, you lead me, you guide me, yeah. you direct me, you teach me. All right. Because Did you have to take risks to go out on the limb oh, sure. initially? Sure. Well, faith is putting your foot where there's no, 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 no nothing to support you. Do you remember one of the first experiences where you actually engaged in, in the spiritual gifts without having too much knowledge or too much uh, experience? Well, it, it's a little it was a little difficult to ascertain specifically where, but I think something that shocked you and you thought, oh, wow, oh, this oh, actually yeah. works. I think the biggest shock was uh, I went to India in nineteen eighty one okay. at an introduction to go and speak in a large crusade. Yes. And it was twenty five thousand people and and I think something like uh, a thousand or two thousand got saved okay. the first night, and then I made multiple salvation, and five thousand people rushed up. Okay. Um, and the first mother came up on the on the stage because yeah. don't forget, in a big football field. Yeah. Uh, and she's holding a, a, a an eight year old, no, about a five or six year old boy. Yeah. Who was had polio in the legs in his legs. Yeah. And I knew. Yeah. That. Jesus was going to do something. How did I know? I knew because I knew because I knew. Okay. And I was ready for the miraculous. I was hungry and thirsty. There was a driving passion already. Okay. It was like the passion, the drive that Jesus had yep. for, the, for the extension of the kingdom. Okay. Um, so that was ignited in you. That, that was ignited in me for what I've seen upon because of the pain and the need. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I and I I, I I saw this little boy. I picked him up, yep. his mother was holding him, I picked yep. him up and um, I dangled his little legs on the ground yep. and I screamed the name of Jesus at him and yep. I commanded him, I commanded these legs to stand and I watched, it, I watched these legs go like this and then all of a sudden they went rock hard. Yep. So, and now that shocked me yep. and yet there I was praying for it. And so I said, I'll get you. I had both hands. Yes. I said, walk. So I, I watched one little leg come out. Yep. And he looked at me like, and then I said, I'll get you. So then another leg came out. Yep. So I let go one hand. Yep. And he started walking with only one hand. I'm holding him. Yep. And then we got down to the end of um, a little way. And then I let him go. And he's walking by himself. And... Well, I went mad and thousands of people went mad. Praise God. Lots of people got healed miraculously. Wow. Um, so that really... Um, it's an ignition. Gave you, it's gave a, you the confidence. Oh, yeah. It's a spark. Yeah. It's a, it's something ignites in you that never it dies. It seals, it confirms, yes. it gives you the yeah. ability to then just yeah. run with it now. Yeah, that's right. And you've run with it for a number of years, for tens of years, decades. And you're still doing it now. 40 years. <laughs> What's the last miracle you've experienced? Um, um, stage 4 cancer healed a month ago in Albany. 
Praise God. Wow. And that was... Uh, the guy was on morphine tablets. Yeah, palliative care almost. Yeah, nearly palliative care. And he had chronic pain all around. So he had spread. Uh, absolutely. And yeah. stage four is yeah. pretty heavy. Yeah, uh, dose. Yeah. And well, he shook like a... He dropped on the floor. Yeah. And we were all having a cup of tea yeah. after the service. Yeah. And he came, sat next to me and said, Pastor, uh, can I tell you something? I said, yeah. He said, you know, for three years I've had chronic pain. Yeah. All in the groin area. Yeah. Across that is. And, yeah. And he said, it's been terrible. I had, I'm on morphine tablets. I'm due to take a morphine tablet now. And he said, I've had chronic pain for three years. It's been excruciating. He said, it's gone. Hallelujah. I said, really? Yeah. He said, vanished. Praise God. And so a month later, yeah. it's about a month now, I said, how's he going? I said to the pastor down there, he said, he's fantastic. I, <laughs> so he went and had an MRI recently. So yes. I, I don't know what they're going to say. But, but he's, he's, he's sleeping like a log, no more morphine, no more oh, pain. Praise God, well, those are good signs, aren't they? And all I, all I understand is this. Many times I'd fly back here after yeah. I'd seen wonderful things. Yes. And it was like flying back into Disneyland because they can't understand. And, and right now, quite frankly, I think, here, yeah. right on the verge of a brand new year, yeah. uh, if you ask me, how, how do you think the church is? Um, and I hope no one, you know, still loves me after this. But I think the church has been sleeping. Yeah. Um, I think it needs a, uh, it needs to wake up, and it needs to wake up because there's an urgency in the world. So if the COVID doesn't wake us up, what does? Well, another, another big storm. Well, there's a big storm brewing. Yeah. To a very large company that's just had its election, um, and uh, I think. Uh, there's some things happening there that could affect us dramatically mm. and the world dramatically. Yeah. Russell, um, what, what legacy do you want to leave behind you? I mean, what do you want people to remember you by? Um, what, what sort of mantle do you want to pass on to this, to the generation? I, I think authority. I think authority has been muddled. Yeah. I see a lot of people are wanting they're awakening, waiting for the next great message. Yes. Great messages can change you, yes. providing you do something. something I, I, yeah. My understanding is... The accompanying of signs and miracles. That's right. The and, but more than that, where are the ministries? Where are the, where are the evangelists? Yeah. They should be filtrating all over the world. So you're talking about the fivefold, every, every, every equipping uh, ministry. Uh, every equipping ministry should be. They're given to the perfecting of the saints. So the saints why is the church so slow at accepting um, these? I mean, even now in this, when books are written, when shows, this, this video casts, everything that you want, everything. We are inundated with information. Yeah. Look at the books in yeah. here. Yeah. They're masses. Yeah. You don't know which one to go. But, yeah. You know. Um, and I think that, I think, you know, I'm sitting in a church that combined meeting last night. Yeah. And the distraction that came was. It was diabolical. It was terrible. I kept saying to people, don't get distracted. Yeah. And I find people are distracted very quickly. We live in this materialistic, yeah. gimme, gimme, gimme. 
kind of attitude. It's narcissistic. Absolutely, and, egocentric. And it is, it's terrible. So how can you um, spark up this authority so people step in it? How, how do you... What, I think you've what, got to what's teach your it. Call? What's your call at the moment, in this season? How do you pass on this authority? I, I think it's like this. If you want people to get saved, yeah. don't talk about healing. Talk about salvation. Okay. Talk about the road of salvation. Yeah. How do you yeah. get saved? Yeah. If you want to get them healed, yeah. don't talk about money. Talk about... Um, healing. About healing, signs, wonders, and miracles. Okay. And then move in them. Well, I don't see them. Then move in them until you do see them. How does the church respond when you, when you go and teach these and activate people into it? Well, it responds greatly. But then I go back... I don't know, three or four months later or a month later and so on. And I think, now, uh, have you gone further afield? Have you, are you ahead? Yeah. Uh, are you going backwards? Well, I go back to many places and see, you're still wallowing around in all that stuff. So there's, there's, there's no real equipping. It's more like a, you're a fire starter, but you're hoping that the people pick up the pieces, the leaders carry on that fire That's going. Exactly They've got to flame right. it. That's right. And if they don't flame it, it dies off. That's right. Okay. That driving passion, Jesus had that passion. Yes. He had that, that spark in him. It was a flame. Yeah. You know, John the Baptist had it. He was a burning and a shining light. Yeah. You know, God is a consuming fire. Yeah. And if you look at the whole essence of fire, what yeah. it actually signifies and means, God is epitomized by fire. Sure. You know, uh, no devil is. Yeah, you know, he's. But I love how the passion just rises up in you when you talk about this. <laughs> so it's, it's well, like, I can't help that. That's, no, 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 that's you good. know, that's, that's me. I guess. I guess I had that when I was a kid. So, uh, what do people say when they talk about Russell Sage out there? How do they describe you? Uh, what do they say? Well, I don't know. You, you tell me. How they, how they no, no, no. I mean, what what do you hear through the pipelines? I mean, um, how do they see you? When? when well, do they I, call I have. What do a, they call you? Well, I have a lot of people uh, come to me and say, you know, you prayed for my son. Okay. And uh, you prophesied over my son 20 years ago. Yes. And exactly what you said he's doing today. And, you know, I got healed mightily when you prayed for okay. me. And, and um, that I hear that a lot Praise in God. different places. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's very hard for me to say. So if, you, if it was just a short one message that you want people to hear out there, there's something that you, it's really burning in your heart. And if you want the penny to drop for people to click, what would you say to them? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I, I think I'd say, unless you really know Jesus, yeah. don't start churches, and don't start these ministries, and don't start calling yourself um, all these great names and you don't, that you don't qualify for because somebody prophesied that over you. Um, you really know, need to know him. Uh, if you have a look at the book of Colossians it's, uh, and Philippians, it's all about that I might know him, Paul said. Uh, and, you know, and the power, yes, and, and the fellowship, fellowship of his sufferings, yeah. being made conformable unto his death. Sure. I think if you don't see what he went through for yeah. you and what he suffered for you, I don't think you'll ever have an appreciation. People get healed yeah. and walk away and you think, oh, thank you, forget it. Yeah. But it's, it's glorious when you get miraculously healed. My God, you know. 
So a true revelation of Christ. A yes, true revelation. A true revelation. And that's not just for leaders, that's for everybody. Yeah, of course it is. Because you're yeah. not going to work out your salvation no. to the no. end unless Jesus is real for you. See the, see, the last little drop is this. Silver and gold have I none, yeah. Acts 3. But what I have. But such as I have, give I unto you. There's a big difference between having something and giving something. Yeah. And then what he said was, I don't have worldly things sure. like silver and gold, yeah. but what I have is greater than that, and yeah. that's exactly what you need. He grabbed me by the hand, in Jesus' name, well, be healed, and he, I believe he didn't lift him up, he yanked him up. Yeah. The Bible says he lifted him up, and I believe he lifted him up. Bang, he got healed instantly. Yeah. I saw that in Nepal. Yeah. Instantaneous blind eyes open. Hallelujah. And not one, two, or three, or four, many. Well, you're already firing me up. <laughs> I want to see more and more miracles. I'm sure our viewers and listeners would like to see. Well, depends where you are on your journey and your understanding of who Jesus is. This, uh, Hopefully this uh, chat really uh, stirred you up to get to know Jesus on a more deeper level and step into the authority that you carry by faith in Jesus to see signs and miracles happening. Because this is the normal Christian life. This is not the exception. This is not just for leaders. This is for everybody. And just as Russell is so passionate about sharing this testimony and how the Lord has worked with him, I pray that your testimony is just as strong as you engage with what the Holy Spirit is doing. Thank you for watching this, uh, this uh, show and also for listening if you're on podcast listening to this. Please rate us, uh, subscribe to, the, to this channel and uh, share with others, distribute this so more and more people can be uh, helped and encouraged and built up and edified. Until next time, the Lord bless you and remember, step in your authority. Thank you, Ross. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Kingdom Stories from Down Under. We'd love it if you would subscribe, rate and share these stories with your wider community. And remember, every story is worth sharing, including yours.